Well, happy Easter. It is really wonderful to have you all here this morning. The day that is meant to satisfy both your soul as well as your sweet tooth and a warm welcome to those joining us online. Now, many of you will have seen these uh, recent images, right? The Pope in a puffer coat, uh, Trump being arrested. But what about these ones? of the blue plague that afflicted Russia in the 1970s, or that, uh, you know, Cascadian earthquake of 2001. Well, of course, what they all share in common is that they're fake. And while scams are not new, with chat, GBT, and the rapid uh, improvements in AI, we have heightened suspicions about truth claims. And Easter is the biggest and boldest truth claim that there is, that a Jewish tradesman named Jesus, said and did some extraordinary things 2,000 years ago, was betrayed by his closest friends, murdered by an empire. Hundreds of eyewitnesses saw him raised from the dead, a claim not made for Muhammad or Moses or Buddha, and is also the God of the galaxies, known and unknown, the God who knows you like no one else, and who you can personally no. And while it's legitimate to be skeptical of this claim, because of its enormous ramifications for your life, if it's true, it must be investigated. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead is the complete package. It brings us something for our intellects, our heads. It engages with us experientially, our hearts, and it has the power to transform how we live our daily lives, the work of our hands. So bringing both our skepticism and our hope, let's look at what that early Christian writer John gives us. Because the resurrection of Jesus really is the one basket you can put all your eggs in. So first, our heads, our intellects. Now, people often think if you're a Christian, you've decided to believe despite the lack of evidence, right? Like you've had to check your brain at the door. But there's plenty of evidence to support a belief in the physical resurrection of Jesus. And we've only got time to briefly touch on two that are in the text this morning. I remember when our girls uh, were little, we wanted to make Easter morning as exciting as Christmas morning, you know, with presents and stuff. And one year, one of them, I can't remember which, uh, like ran into our bedroom at like five in the morning. Mommy, mommy, Jesus is alive. Not yet, he's not, was what I replied. Tim and I had a, the day starts at 6 a.m. rule in our house. But the girls were right. Because John specifically tells us that Mary Magdalene discovered an empty tomb before the sun had risen. Logically, she assumes that grave robbers are to blame. And sharing this distressing fact with uh, Simon Peter and an unnamed disciple, probably the writer John, the men run towards the tomb. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up. John then goes in, and we're told that he saw and believed. And the word used here for seeing is not the normal Greek word, but it's a word you'd recognize, theoreo, to theorize. Peter and John are thinking, they're processing, they're analyzing the evidence. 
Grave robbers don't uh, leave linens soaked in valuable spices, and they don't usually take time uh, to neatly tidy up after their smash and grab. The passage doesn't say that they believed Jesus had risen from the dead. I don't think they were intellectually there yet. What they now believed is that Mary was not imagining things in her grief. That grave, it was empty. Hashtag believe women. We're told the men, they just go home. But within an hour, Mary's changed her mind. That grave wasn't robbed. It was empty because Jesus is alive. All four of the recorded eyewitness accounts of that first Easter day, they agree that the resurrected Jesus first appeared to women. And in a misogynist age, when women were considered inferior, intellectually, physically, if you were wanting to convince people of something, you wouldn't choose women as the first witnesses. This fact, it is the intellectual chink in the armor of the early Christian movement. But the writers couldn't hide it because it happened. Secondly, the transformation of the disciples. In this case, Mary. Within the space of an hour, she goes from thinking that a grave is robbed and crying a lot to believing and boldly declaring the news to men. And at that time, some Jews did believe in a general resurrection from the dead at the end of time, but they didn't believe that there would be any single person who would rise before anyone else, and certainly not that a human being could be God in the flesh. Simon, Peter, and Mary, these were not gullible people who just expected miraculous things to happen. No. Overnight, their worldview was completely transformed, becoming bold and dynamic leaders of a world-changing global movement because there was evidence for their minds to engage with. If you're skeptical, investigate. Easter's got something for our minds, and it engages us experientially, our hearts. When Jesus first appears to Mary in that garden, he's not like, ta-da, I'm back, all flashing lights and lightning like an Iron Man or a Thor. No. In the early morning light, he gently asks her questions. Why are you weeping? And then, Mary. It's so tender. It's not like, good morning, Ms. Magdalene. I love this detail that Jesus calls her by name as tears are streaming down her face because we all search for identity in life, who we know ourselves to be deep in our hearts. The tricky thing is that we search for our identity inside of ourselves, and when we do that, who we think we are, our identity is always going to be unstable, unstable, because you don't know what life is going to throw at you. If my core identity is as a mother, then I'm going to fall apart in September when our youngest leaves home. If we root our identity in our careers, then we risk climbing up a ladder that's leaning on the wrong wall. Because when that promotion doesn't come or we retire, there's no me left. Mary. What our hearts yearn for is to be truly known and still loved. Mary. A friend of mine, Glenn, uh, once said, and I'm paraphrasing here, that Jesus has fixed his eyes on me, not at my best, 
but he's fixed his eyes on me at my worst and loves me. This is such a gift for our hearts, to be able to root our core identity in this incredible love, a love that not even the best friendship or marriage will be able to give you. The Irish writer Flannery O'Connor once said, to know oneself is above all to know what one lacks. Mary. Not only does the resurrected Jesus give us a rock-solid identity from which to navigate the painful realities of daily life, our hearts, they're given a safety about the future. And you know that God does not protect us from every evil, painful, or destructive thing that life will toss at us. But from an endgame perspective, you can be safe. As Jesus was dying on that cross, so did all our despair and sin. And as he rose from the dead, so did our purpose and our hope. Jesus can walk you through the gate of death, where you will have a new body and can be with people you love. A resurrected life where all the deep desires of our hearts will be met. And that same gift can be given to your children. Investigate. It's so wonderful. So our heads, our hearts, and lastly, how does the power of Easter shape our daily lives, the work of our hands? Fake images can, of course, be trivial, the Pope in a puffer coat. But fake videos of Volodymyr Zelensky surrendering to Russian generals, well, those have serious consequences, right? Because truth does actually matter. Truth shapes actions, with Easter being the biggest truth claim of all. The 16th century uh, German church leader Martin Luther, he once spent uh, three days in a funk over something that had gone wrong. And on the third day, his irritated wife came downstairs dressed in black mourning clothes. <gasps> Who's died, he asked. God, she replied. Luther rebuked her saying, what do you mean God is dead? God cannot die. Well, she replied, the way you've been acting, I was sure he had. Christians are people learning how to follow a Jesus who is alive, can be known and experienced by you. Those very first disciples, Mary Magdalene, Simon Peter, and then hundreds of others met the resurrected Jesus in the flesh. They touched him. They ate breakfast with him. He assigned them work. And the way our lives, the work of our hands, can be shaped by the resurrected Jesus is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Don't cling to me, Mary, says Jesus. My mission's not yet complete. I'm returning to God the Father, but don't worry. I'm sending my spirit, the spirit, the Holy Spirit, to not only be with you, but to live in you. And it is the spirit of that risen Jesus that empowers Christians to be at the forefront of environmental activism, challenging racist structures in society, being peacemakers in your families, agents of integrity at your workplaces. Because if we do encounter the risen Jesus, which is possible for everybody here, then we will not be able to keep our minds solely on our own problems. I guarantee it. 
you will start thinking about all the other people that God loves, right? The people you sit next to on the TTC, those who are struggling in Sri Lanka or in Nigeria. Jesus does come tenderly to Mary in her tears, but he will not have self-pity in his followers because there's work to be done, says Jesus. Go, tell your brothers, Mary, that I'm risen. My spirit will be with you because there are lives to impact. There are hundreds of people today in this very church who have experienced the spirit of the risen Jesus, me included. Share your stories. Easter's the complete package. It engages our head, our hearts, and can shape the work of our hands. If you're skeptical, you've got to investigate. Take our upcoming Alpha course. It's my great privilege to say to you today that all is well. And I don't say that because of naive optimism. I say it because Jesus was stripped naked. He was nailed to a wooden cross. He died an obscene death. And then God's will was done, not ours. Three days later, God raised him from the dead. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he's loving, mercifully loving the whole world. All is well. The end is life. Journey with this diverse and growing community of Jesus followers here at St. Paul's, because the risen Jesus can be yours too. Alleluia. Christ is risen.